Here's the land to the flag of the United States of America. Guys, like the cool weather, it uh, is awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. I'm glad you're here. If you're a guest, of course, we're always humbled to have you hang out with us. Can you imagine just a few weeks away from the election? Are you ready? Ready for the election? Some of you are just like, get it over with. Some of you are very excited about it. But you have to make a decision. And I want to encourage you to be engaged. Don't just not participate, whether you like the candidates or not, you know, because there's so much more than just the presidential candidate or election that's important. The Bible, if you look in your outline, if you want to pull that out, we're going to look basically at what the wisdom writer has to say. Solomon wrote two books, Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes, or at least most of the Proverbs, and it says in chapter 14 and verse 34, righteousness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any nation. Who's the nation? You and me. We are the people. Abraham Lincoln said in Gettysburg, it's a, a government of the people, for the people, by the people. So it's important. It's important to be engaged. It's honoring to those who have given their life. So uh, just really, really encourage you. Even if you're not sure, you know, who do I vote for, all those kind of things, I want to encourage you to participate. Now, it's a decision. How many of you have some kind of decision and, uh, that you're going to have to make in the near future? Let me see your hand. Okay? Right? Now, if nothing else, you have the election, which we just talked about. Okay? Right. You have decisions. How do you make good decisions? Let me say it a churchy way. What is God's will for your life? How do you know whether you go left or right? How do you know whether you take the promotion or don't? How do you know if you move or you stay where you are? I mean, all of these decisions, and there are so many of them. And if we, if we make the wrong one, what happens? James, who didn't believe, he was a skeptic until after the resurrection. And then he became a leader of the early church in Jerusalem. Look at what he says in your outline about decision-making. He says... If you were like that, unable to make up your mind and undecided in all that you do. One translation says that it is a divided mind, tossing to and fro, you know, back and forth. In other words, a lot of times we live our lives in circles because we, we make this decision and then we're like, no, no, no. And then we make this decision and then and we just, we're not getting anywhere. 
not getting anywhere relationally or financially or in our dreams. James says it's dangerous to not know how to make decisions because you're going to have to make a bunch of them. And in 2016, is there not a plethora of options? You know, Stephanie, well, not very often because I'm not very good at it, but when I go to the grocery store to get something, she's very detailed, I'm not. And so she'll write down and she'll tell me a million times on the way out the door, you know, get these beans, it's in this can, it says this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's beans, you know. How many can there be? And then you get to the grocery store and you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, what? Right? I mean, it's not just beans, it's toothpaste, it's everything. There are millions. So you have to make decisions. There's that dreaded question. Let me ask this first. How many of you know somebody who hesitates on decision making? You know somebody like that? You know, and that dreaded question of where you want to go eat. Right? I, and I love this answer. I don't care. And so you say what? Well, what about here? Not there. Oh, you do care. Okay. I mean, I hear that's the way it happens. I'm not sure how. Right, so I want to talk about this. I want to talk, how do we make some good decisions? Not once, not occasionally, because the decisions we make will determine where we end up. They'll determine the kind of life that we have. There's really not anything in life you'll do more important than decision making. And you will do it every day of your life, several times over. So how do we make um, good decisions? Now, and so what I did is I'm going to kind of make the verbs technologies. Hopefully, it'll kind of help us remember it. So here's the first thing. If you want to jot it down in that outline that you have, is we have to Siri Google Maps, okay? Siri being a verb. Siri Google Maps. And what I mean by that is we have to ask the question, what does God say? What does God say about this decision I'm going to make? Siri Google Maps. Siri's pretty incredible. You can have a conversation with Siri or maybe you're an Android person and you've got Google Assistant or what is it for uh, Kindle like uh, Echo or something to that effect. They all have these digital assistants and so you just say, hey Siri, and then you can ask it. Who's the coolest in the land? You know, I named my phone, I named, you know, my phone, so I, 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 Siri calls me King Troy. I just like that, you know. She say it out loud in the store somewhere, King Troy, okay. Um, so you say, hey, Siri, you just have this conversation. She talks, and you can ask her a question. Hey, King Siri, I mean, <laughs> King Siri. Hey, Siri, how do you get to Potential Church in Lima, Peru? And Siri will go to Google Maps, not Apple Maps, because you might get lost, but we'll go to Google Maps, and we'll give you a map, give you instructions. Let, let me show you. We put it on video so that you can see it. At the top is where the campus meets right now. On the other side of that camera, the folks in Peru are worshiping with us. Now, we're launching a new campus there in just a couple of weeks. City of uh, nine, or I can't remember, nine, 11 million people. Huge, huge population. And so we go to Siri and we ask her, how do you get from the campus we have to the new campus that we're beginning in a couple of weeks? And you have the street view on the left and then you have the map view on the right. And so Siri shows us, and then we kind of take off. <clears throat> Here we go. You can see all the stuff going on. 
And then you get to this place where there's a major, you know, freeway. And then there's all these different side streets. And when you get to that spot, you have to decide, do I trust Siri? Do I trust Siri? Have you, have you ever been in one of those situations where Siri or Google Maps is telling you to go right, but you just feel left is the right way? Right? And you're like, oh, do I listen to Google Maps? Does Siri really know? Or do I do what I think? you got to decide, I guess, which you trust. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to our relationship with God. When it comes to making a decision, am I going left or am I going right? I have to ask the question, what does God say? What is God telling me? How does God want me to get from here to there? And when I say, well, how does God speak to us? Well, he speaks to us through his, through his word. That's what this is. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. And the Word, you know, came and pitched his tent among us, which was, of course, Jesus. So this is God's Word. This is God speaking to us. So when you and I are making decisions, we go, hey, what does God have to say about this decision? I, I put, again, just some of the wisdom that Solomon gives us if you look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. It says, it is the Lord who gives what? Wisdom. From him come knowledge and understanding. So if you're about to make a major decision, don't you want some wisdom? Don't you want some knowledge? Don't you want some understanding? God says he, he gives it to us. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26, it says, a man is a fool to trust himself. How many of you have ever been in the car with one of those kind of men? <laughs> right? You're like, hey, we need to pull over. Ah, <laughs> I got it. I got it. A man is a fool to trust himself, but those who use God's what? Wisdom are safe. Those who listen. Those who Siri, Google Maps. Those who ask, what does God really have to say about this? Now, here's the great thing about it. That means that there's some things you don't have to pray about. You don't have to get stressed out about them. You don't have to go like, oh, man, goodness, what's going to happen if I make the wrong decision? What's going to happen if I do the wrong thing? No, 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 no. You just go and you ask the question, what, what, does, what does God say? Um, for example, if you're um, uh, dating somebody and, and y'all are, you know, uh, spending time and one of you is like, hey, you know what? Let's just move in together. And you're like, well, and, you know, well, if it works out, then we'll get married and those kind of things. And what, what do you think? Well, you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to say, oh, let me pray about that. Or you don't have to say, let me think about that. All you have to do is say, well, let me, let me, let me see what, what God says about that. And God's like, uh-uh, wait till you know, you get married before you move in together, before you spend time in that bed together. Now, the challenge is... It's like flying an airplane, they tell me, okay? I'm not a pilot, would never want to be a pilot. I'm afraid I would crash. But if you've read anything about pilots, especially small airplanes, and if they're flying at night, it's very difficult to see the horizon. It looks, the ground and the water and the sky, they all kind of blend together. So you have to look at your instruments, because you go by gut feeling, you could fly it right into the ground. And that's what John F. Kennedy Jr. did. He was flying at night, 
And his instrument said, you're going towards the ground. But he felt he wasn't. He felt that he knew better. He felt that he knew the right way. And they say that he basically killed him and all those on the airplane because he just flew the airplane into the ground. And you and I are like, oh, I would never do that. It happens all the time. The question is, do you trust your instruments? Do you trust what God's Word says? When somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, man, let's just move in together. Let's, you know, what is it that, why is it that we desire that? Well, it's because what we're looking for, right? We're looking for happiness. We're looking for stable, you know, is this going to work? We want it to be long-lasting. We want to have joy. We want to know that this is the right person. We want all of these kind of things because we, we want it to work. We want to have joy. We want to have what we see in other people. And so our gut's like, yeah, man, you need to go right. You need to try this out. You need, you need to test this. You need to see if this is the person. You need to, you know, learn how to do life with somebody. What better way than just go ahead and move into them? Everything in your gut saying, yeah, man, I need to go right. And yet God's word is saying you need to go left. And God's saying, if you go left, I'll get you to what you want. I'll get you to a great relationship. I'll get to you to joy and peace and, and oneness, right? And, and we face, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the same thing happens financially. The same thing happens in uh, business. A lot of different parenting, different areas of our lives where it's not that we don't know what God's saying. It, it, it's that our gut is saying, oh, that can't be right. And as a pastor, I just get to see a lot of people, okay? I get to see from uh, people live their lives. And I've seen so many people, and I know in my life, I've been tempted to fly it into the ground. To fly their relationship into the ground. To fly their finances into the ground. To find, and then like, God, what's up? And God's like, you went right. And I was, go left. So the first thing I want to do is that when I'm faced with a decision to make, is I want to ask the question, what does God's word say? Is God telling me to go this way or that way? To do this or to do that? And if his word is revealed, it speaks to it. I don't have to stress. I don't have to worry. I don't even have to pray about it. I just do it. But not every decision is revealed, is it? I can tell you, I've looked in the Bible. There's nowhere where you're going to find the word Trump or Clinton. It's not there. It doesn't matter where you look. And so God is not going to reveal to you who to vote for. It's not here. See, this is the only, God is not bringing new revelation. This is the only revealed word of God we have. So he's not going to, it's not going to be revealed. In that way, where you can know without any, anything's written in here, I don't have to doubt, worry about, question. I just know this is God speaking to me. And so I can operate on it knowing that God has put his character on the line that I will end up where he said I would. But when it comes to like the election, there may be some principles in here. But the principles have to be applied by you and I and we're fallible. We make mistakes. So there are certain things where God's word is not revealed about do you go left or right. If you get offered a promotion, you're not going to find it in here. God's not going to say, hey, Susie, take it. Thou shalt. 
in Jesus' name. It's not going to be there, right? Do you have three kids or do you have five? Or none? Or get a cat or a dog? I do think that's in there. It's a dog, okay? <laughs> How do you make those decisions? Now, you're going to be tempted, just as I am, to want God's revealed answer. We want, and so we do mystical, crazy things. Have you ever done or been around somebody where it's kind of like, okay, God, you know what? Do I take this class or do, God, do I accept this, you know, date or God, do I take the promotion? And I'm going to take it if the light turns green in five seconds. One, two, woo, it did. Right? Or we use this kind of whole deal. We're like, okay, where do I move? Let's see. Let's see what God said. I mean, it's the Bible. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. No, if the Messiah is coming, I don't want to leave. So I need to stay here. (laughs) Right? I mean, we want that mysticism when in reality, God says, no, no, it's not revealed. And so many of those decisions are not about right or wrong. They're about wise or unwise. Okay? It is not a sin to vote for Hillary Clinton. It is not a sin to vote for Donald Trump. Okay? Now, there are biblical principles, and I have opinions, and all those kind of things. But God's word is not revealed in that way. So I have to figure out what is the wise thing to do. And the same is true in so many decisions of our lives. So let me, that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about, okay, over the next few moments, is how do you make those kind of decisions? And here's what I put down. You have to kindle facts and Facebook people. All right, kindle and Facebook being the verb in those sentences. Kindle facts, Facebook people. And, and, And here's what I'm talking about. You answer the question is, what do I need to know? Kindle the facts, right? Kindle, of course, is our books in electronic form. It allows us the opportunity to read and learn and grow and know things. So we want to get the facts. So what do I need to know to make this decision? And then the, the, the second thing when you think about Facebooking people is who can help me? Because Facebook is where we do relationships now, now uh, it seems, right? Or at least Facebook is where, you know, we tell everybody how awesome our life is compared to theirs, okay? And so we want to do those two things. Now, when you put God's Word and then you add to that the facts that you discover, your research, and then you add to that the advice that you get from other competent people, those three things, okay? God's Word, The facts and advice from competent people, Christ-following people, you get wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowledge. It's not just intelligence. And I want you to see the value of wisdom. I want you to see what God says is available to me and to you. This is incredible if it's true. And I believe that it is. And that's why we do five services, and that's why we're here every weekend, is because there's so much open to you and me, and it just burdens, I think, God's heart that we live under this. Look at what it says, Proverbs chapter 3. Look at the power of wisdom. He says, how fortunate are those who discover 
Lady wisdom. Discover wisdom. In other words, so if those who discover it are blessed, that means there are a lot of folks who, who never see it. It's around them, but they don't see it. Then it's going to describe wisdom. And those who understand wisdom's way. For her or wisdom's worth is greater than the most expensive prize you could ever win. Wisdom's profit is greater than the finest things you could ever buy. No gem is more precious than she is. Your most extravagant desire doesn't come close to wisdom. She, she, wisdom, holds the secret of a long life in one hand and riches and fame in the other. Is that not amazing? Verse 17. Wisdom's ways are pleasant. All of her pathways are peaceful. Wisdom's like a tree that produces a satisfied life for anyone who can wrap their arms around her. Happiness waits for any who hold wisdom tightly. And so there is great value in wisdom. In Proverbs 18, 15, it says, wise men and women are always what? They're always learning. They're always learning and always what? Learning and listening. That's what wise people do. What, what, is, what is learning and listening? It's getting the facts. It's kindling the facts. And I want us to remember that. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, by the name of Andy Stanley, wrote a cool book on decision making. The title of the book is uh, The Greatest Question Ever. And that greatest question is, what's the wise thing to do? If you go to our app, the first five folks in this service to click that on are going to get it for free, okay? They're going to get it for free because we want you to kindle the facts. We want you to get the facts to put in the time. Learning and listening. I think we get lazy. I think that's why we say, okay, God, I'm going to take it if the light turns red in the next five seconds. Because that doesn't take any effort on your part, does it? That's why we want mysticism. We want get God to just write it in the sand for us. And God says in his word, he says, you know what? That's not the way we make these decisions. That's not what I do. You need to get the facts. When Steph and I got ready to start a church and when we started a church, you know, I didn't plan on being a pastor. I planned on being a coach. So I, I, it was all brand new. I had to get the facts. And I, I, was, at, I was reading a book a week. I mean, if the car stopped at a red light, I was reading. Any opportunity that I wasn't working, I was reading. We went to conferences. We didn't have any money, but we would drive all night. We'd stay with family. I mean, we, we spent the money that we did have on cassette tapes. For those of you who don't know what those are, you can Google it, okay? But, I mean, all those things. Why? Because I needed the facts, because I was making decisions, and Stephanie was making decisions that were going to impact our marriage and our kids, our future. It was going to impact everybody that was coming to be a part of this church that we were starting. And so it's like, man, I, I, I can't be lazy on this and then get mad at God that I screwed the whole thing up. i got to get the facts. And I want to encourage you. Whatever the decision you have, maybe it's a, an opportunity for a promotion. You want to get the facts. What's the cost of that promotion? Don't just look at what the raise is going to be or the fact that your name's going to be on the door. What's the cost? What's going to be expected of you? How's it going to impact your family? How's it going to impact your time? What, are, what have others who have had that job, have they enjoyed it, not enjoyed it? 
Now, my perspective, of course, is, is ministry because that's what I um, see so often. And a lot of times, folks will sense God's call on their life, and they'll join the, the ministry team, the staff team here. And they'll say, you know what, man, this is, my, this, is, this, is, this is my dream. I've always dreamed of working at a church. I've always dreamed of, of being on staff. And, and they're excited and they're pumped up, man. They got a big old smile on their face. And, and then Christmas comes. And we do like a just all kind. We do services all day on Christmas Eve. We do services on Christmas Eve's Eve. We do services on Christmas Day night. And all of a sudden they're like, whoa, <laughs> I got a family thing. Like, what? what, what? I, can't, I can't be, what do you mean you can't? And all of a sudden there's tension and there's frustration. Why? They didn't do their research. It's not that something changed. It's that they didn't do their research. So they have made a decision that's going to lead to great frustration in their family and in their life. I, get to, I see it in the lives of people who get married. I hear things like this. He changed. She changed. No, no, they didn't change. You just didn't do your research. You, you didn't go deep enough into who they were. You didn't talk to those who have been in relationships with them in the past. It, it, they didn't just change all of a sudden when you got married. They just became who they always were. You got, you, you got to do your, I think that's why, you know, God tells us that we're to stay sexually pure until we get married. And I think that the main reason he asked us to do that or commands us to do that, is because sex is always going to be a distraction from getting the facts. Right? I mean, let me ask you. You want to get the facts or you want to get naked? Which one are you going to choose? Right? You're going to choose you know what every single time. And then you get married and then you're like, oh my gosh, I should have got the facts, you know? So, so when you get ready and when there's a decision in front of you, yeah, don't be lazy. Don't be, whether it's relational or financial or spiritual or who you're going to vote for. Right? We're going to get ballots. Have you got the facts? I mean, have you done the research? It's a pretty important decision. Whether it be a local, whether it be national, whether it be an amendment. I mean, or do we, are we just going to use the excuse, oh, I just don't have the time, I didn't know. So many times we get exactly what we decided to get because we didn't get the facts. We didn't kindle the, the facts or the research. Now look what he says in Proverbs 15:22. <clears throat> he says, "Refuse good advice and watch your plans what? Yeah. Take, you might circle that word, take. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. And I circled the word take because it's not just asking for advice. It's taking it. It's, it's listening. It's applying it. It's hearing it. Get the facts and get good advice. You know, when we lived in Arkansas and we were trying to start our church, I was filling in every weekend for uh, a pastor. They were looking for a pastor. They needed somebody to kind of preach on the weekends while they were looking for a pastor. It was in Black Oak, Arkansas. And little country church in the middle of nowhere. And one weekend I couldn't be there. So I called one of my friends, Leonard Ezel, okay? He's probably not watching. And, and I asked him to fill in for me. And he said he would. And I gave him directions on how to get there. 
But he didn't pay, I guess, a whole lot of attention because on the weekend in which he was supposed to be speaking, he got lost. And he drives around. He pulls into this little country church parking lot. He's late. It's already started, maybe even half over. Walks in. He's got his Bible. Walks down to the front row. He sits down. As soon as the song ends, he jumps up. He faces the congregation. He's like, I am so sorry. Pastor Troy told me. He gave me the directions. And I just got lost. I got turned around. And when he paused to take a breath, someone in the congregation stood up and they said, we do not know who Pastor Troy is. <laughs> we don't know who you are. Come to find out, he was at the wrong church. He didn't get the facts. You ever feel like that in life? You ever feel like you just showed up at the wrong place? Like, man, how in the world did I get here? How did I end up working here? How did I end up with these in-laws? I mean, how, how did this happen? Get the facts. And get advice. Facebook people. Hear what they have to say. Proverbs 12, 15 says, People are uh, fools, excuse me, fools are headstrong. And they do what they like. Wise people, and there's the word again, circle it. Take, apply, hear, listen, advice. This is, um, this is the way I, I, I wrote it down. Who do you want to listen to? Right? Because there's lots of advice that's poor advice. I wrote it down like this. You want to you get advice from people who were where you are and are where you want to be. Let me say that again. You want to get advice from people who were where you are and are where you want to be. In other words, they know what it's like to stand at this crossroads. They know what it's like to want to be there, but you're here. But they also know how to get there because that's where they are. So you want to get advice. You want to, you, you want, again, you have to be intentional about this. It's easy to be lazy. Right? It's easy to just say, oh, I, I know. I know. And then find ourselves in a bad decision, um, struggling, whether it be financially or relationally, whatever it might be. So, does God have anything to say about it? If he does, then you know what? We can quit worrying and just do what he says. But if he doesn't, then I want to get the facts. I want to get some advice. When we were starting our church, you know, I didn't know who to talk to or whatever. But there was a gentleman by the name of Worth Gibson. And I'll never forget, we're walking out in the field and I'm asking him questions. And he looked at, he stopped and he looked at me and said, do not forget that the people you start with will not finish with you. And I, I promise, when he said that, I, I kind of looked at him and I thought, you're stupid. These people are sacrificing. These people are showing up consistently. I mean, these are incredible people. I mean, we started with 12 people in a living, a living room. We had about 75 maybe people at this time. And it's like, no, no, these are the best people. These are the greatest people. These people love me. These people love Steph. What do you mean they're not going to finish with us? He said they won't. And you know, Al, after 25 years in ministry, he was right. I've seen it over and over again. Because when an organization, whether it be a church or anything else, as it grows, growth changes things. It's different. 
to have 12 people in a living room and have 75 people in a building. There's a difference between 75 people in a building and multiple services. There's a difference between multiple services and multiple campuses. Here's why his wisdom was so valuable to me. Because when it happened, I didn't have to get depressed. I didn't have to get discouraged. I didn't have to feel guilty. I didn't have to lose all this great sense of confidence. Man, did I make the wrong decision? Should Steph and I have never even gone into ministry? No, no, no. I didn't have to do any of those things. Not because of anything I knew or did, but because of the wisdom that he gave me. And it changed everything for uh, me and staff. It's so important. So important to take the time to find people who don't just agree with you, but who love you enough to tell you the truth, to get that wisdom. Here's, here's just a couple more. We'll be done. Is you have to iOS, Android, or Windows my device. iOS, Android, or Windows my device. I've got here, I've got a little iPad, which is uh, iOS, right? You don't have to talk to very many people before you get, you know, people have different, different uh, devices. This is Android, okay? And it's different than iOS. And then here is Windows, all right? Now, they all do different things. Some of you probably love Windows. Some of you love Android. Some of you love iOS, and depending on what you're doing will determine which operating system you use. Well, the same thing is true in life. All of us have different passions and different burdens, different things that get us excited, different things that get us angry. And I need to know what those are in my life so that I make better decisions. Because if you want to draw, well, it's important which, I, which operating system are you going to use. If you want to do calculations, which operate, if you want to play games, there are good decisions and there are bad decisions. Different operating uh, systems will lead to a different type of experience. Well, the same thing is true in your life and my life. We have different operating systems. Therefore, we are happy in different places. Some folks love South Florida. Steph and I have been here now for, what, 16 years. We love it. We love it. But you know what? A lot of times when I talk to folks that like meet and greet and stuff, like they just moved here and like, how, what do you think? And like, ah, I'm going home. <laughs> we had a season here where it seemed like everybody back when uh, Wilma, we just had all those hurricanes, seemed like everybody's moving to North Carolina. I don't know if they still live there, but they all moved up there. All right. So why is that? Is one place better than the other? No, we're different from one another. So it might be a great decision to stay here for one person and a horrible decision for somebody else. It's not about sin. It's about wisdom, which will lead to the outcome that God created us for. Now, Rick Warren did us a great favor because he, he put it in an acronym that helps, helps us, okay? When we think about what is my operating system or what is my desire, my passion, my burden, he called it shape. All right? It's an acronym. Here's what it, 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 it uh, means. S stands for spiritual gift. 
We all have a spiritual gift, according to the book of Corinthians, Paul says. That when we trust Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. It may be serving, it may be giving, it may be leadership, it may be mercy, it may be um, the ability to uh, uh, see things in the sense of uh, what's going on in the lives of people. All these different gifts, I want to know what those are. Because that helps me make a better decision. I mean, to not know your spiritual gift, I mean, think about it. It's kind of like being Superman and taking the bus when you can fly. Batman may have to take the bus, but not Superman. Superman can fly. Well, you and I have spiritual gifts. If you don't know what they are, let us help you. Uh, so you have shape. H is heart. In other words, your passion there are certain things I can talk about and you get bored. You go to sleep. Those folks tend to sleep, sleep, uh, sleep in the front, okay? Uh, there are other things I can talk about. You get mad. There are some other things I talk about. You get passionate. You get excited, right? What is that? What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you're burdened about? What is it that you think about, you dream about? So you have your spiritual gift, you have your heart. A is your abilities. We all have different abilities. Some of you are good with numbers. How many of you are numbers people? All right, some of you are more artistic. How many of you are like artistic, you like creating and all that kind of stuff, right? We're all, we're all different. We all have different abilities. Some of us are good with our hands. We can build anything. We can do anything. Some of us are great with our minds. I mean, we all have different abilities. And you and I have to know what they are if we want to make good decisions, P is personality, right? They do it a bunch of different ways. Sometimes they say, well, this is a chloric, this is a phlegmatic. Sometimes they say this is a monkey and this is a horse. And I mean, they do it all different ways. But what they are doing is trying to determine our personality. Like some of us are very like in control type people. You know anybody like that? Like when you go to Starbucks, you're the manager while you're there. <laughs> I mean, you may not get a check, but you're the one in charge, all right? Others of us are very shy, right? I mean, you, 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 so it's important to know. Why? Because if you are an in-charge kind of person and you make a decision to position yourself in a place where you can't express who you are, you know what? You're not going to be happy. It doesn't matter how much they're going to pay you. So, and then E is experience. God will never waste pain that you and I have been through. And what we have been through helps us determine what kind of decisions that we need to make in different areas of, of our lives. So when it comes to these decisions that God hasn't revealed in his word, I have to get the facts. I have to get some advice from people around me. I need to know who I am. I put in Proverbs 22.6. If you're a parent, you probably memorize this one. I learned it in the King James, all right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, I think we have translated that wrong a lot of times. A lot of times we think that means raise your children in church, and, you know, even if they leave for a season, they'll come back. And what, what the wisdom writer is saying is train up a child in the way they should go, in the way in which they are bent. You could say in their shape. My responsibility as a parent is to help my children discover who God has created them to be so that they can make good decisions. 
See, if they know who they are, it's easier for them to choose where they're going to go to college. It's easier for them to choose who they're going to date. It's easier for them to discover what kind of profession they're going to go into. Not try, see, my responsibility is not to try to help them discover their profession. My responsibility is to help them discover who they are in Christ so that they can discover their profession and make the kinds of decisions that lead to a life that has joy and has peace and has faith and has confidence. That's what the Scripture is saying, is that when you help them discover who they are, Well, they'll never depart from it. They'll do what? They'll make decisions that align with who they are. Therefore, they will end up uh, in the place that God created them to be, which is a place then of fulfillment and of peace and joy. I put this scripture because I think it goes along with it in Psalm 37, 4. Be delighted with the Lord. Then he will give you what? What does he give you? No, no, listen, this is a lot better news than you just read it. He will give you what? Desires of your heart. When you and I know our shape and when we get the facts and we get advice from those around us, we're walking in who we were created to be. Therefore, what we desire is what God created us to experience. And so you've got fulfillment. You're like, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing exactly what I was created to be and to do. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always easy, but it is always fulfilling. There's purpose in what I'm doing. There's a a, a direction in which I'm going. There are things in which I'm accomplishing. So no matter what the world might say about me or what the world may try, there is straight this great sense of confidence. Why? Because of making good decisions. Right? So... And then the last one, and we don't have time to talk about it, but is, is, is to, uh, well, let me just read it because I, when it comes to your uh, tech support, my fear, right? Tech support, they charge you now for tech support, but tech support, I, I don't know how to do this, I don't know how to do that, I'll call tech support and they'll give me direction. I want them to step in, give them control of my computer sometimes, make sure you don't get taken advantage of, but uh, if you do that, but It's asking God to step into our lives. Not in the sense of God mystically telling me to go left or go right. It is, the prayer basically is God open my eyes to see what you're doing. Because I think a lot of times God's at work in our lives and we don't see it. I've got to think, how did Steph and I get here to South Florida? Can I tell you? It was a bunch of small decisions. We decided to do something we had never done before, start a church. It was a decision. I think I could have, Steph and I could have decided to be at a church that was already established. That wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been sin, but I don't know that it would have been wise for who we are. But we did the research, talked to people, read the books, went to the conferences. We discovered who we are. We made a decision to start a church. And then we decided, because of the facts that we have got, that we need to decide to raise up people. We don't need to try to do it all ourselves. We need to pour into leaders. We need to raise up leaders. And in order to do that, we need to take them to a conference so that they are able to experience other leaders. When we got to that 
conference because we had decided to start a church and we had decided to raise up leaders and we had decided to go to a conference. We walked into a room and we decided that because they hadn't set up the chairs and needed somebody to serve in that way, that those that we took would actually do that. And so we set up the chairs. And as a result of the decision to set up the chairs, I met Pastor Dan, who was the pastor here at that time. And eventually, he invited Steph and I to come here. And we came here <coughs> not to be lead pastor. We didn't come here to even do young adults. We came here to learn. We came here to grow, to mature, to, to, so that we could be who God had created us to be. We took a risk. We didn't know anybody, didn't have any family, didn't have any resources in a big way, took less money all those kind of things to, to come and to learn. And all of those small decisions have led us to a place to, to experience some incredible things that God has done in this house. It's allowed us to, to launch campuses in countries we would have never dreamed of when we lived in Arkansas. We got to see our kids grow up all because of the decisions that we made right in front of us. You've got decisions right in front of you now. You're asking God about a decision way down the road, but there's one you need to make right in front of you. I want to invite you to do that. Would you bow your head? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, I thank you. I thank you that decisions are opportunities to move forward. There are opportunities to learn and opportunities to grow. Help us not to back up from them. Help us not to be afraid of them, but help us to, to, to walk through them. And as we think about this election, there's lots of anger, there's lots of fear, there's lots of talk. Help us to engage in it. Then help us that through the process, we would know you more. We would understand Ultimately, for your glory and for the kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. All right, man, thank you so much for being here.